Just turn to Matthew 28, and we'll begin at verse 16. This is the last few verses of the gospel according to Matthew. So if you're new, just start reading there and then flip over a page or two and you'll be in Mark's gospel. And just go ahead and and keep reading there because we're going to be spending some time in Mark this summer. And so I'm going to say more about that in a week or two. But I want to encourage you uh, to just keep reading the gospels. Great stories that God uses to help us follow Christ. And so you do that. But let's hear this great good news from Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. And you know what? You guys got all settled in. I just feel like, you know, this is a passage that Jesus, I think, is speaking to his disciples, but he's speaking to us too. So out of reverence for the gospel and willingness to hear, I don't do this often, but could we stand and hear the gospel proclaimed today? From Matthew 25. I promise I'll let you sit right back down. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How many nations? It's an important word in the Bible. Somebody ought to write a book about that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. God, Father, we ask that you would bless this teaching from your Son, Jesus, and pour your Spirit into our lives through these words. We ask in your name. Amen. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I went on my yearly retreat down to Kentucky. And the question that I am always asked when I come back is, did you get lost this time? Because a few years ago, I did get very seriously lost. It became a nice sermon series, and uh, we had fun. And, uh, and, and so that's always the question. So this year, I did not get lost. Thank you. It was quite, a, quite an accomplishment. However, I should say that uh, somebody must have shared my experience because the trails were very well marked this year. Uh, there were numbers, and you could look on your map and gauge kind of where you were. So it was good. But I did have another experience, and I've been telling some of you that I would share it when it was appropriate. And today it's appropriate, okay? Today is uh, is Trinity Sunday. It's, it's one of the last feasts of this year, uh, of this church calendar year. And, and so um, we talked about ascension. Th- these three kind of come all together. We had ascension, and then last week we had Pentecost, and this week we have Trinity Sunday. So it's like three in a row. So, uh, you know, they must have been really hungry around this time of year back then. They'd throw all these feasts in at once. And um, and, and so I thought since we, we had talked about Ascension and Pentecost that I would share my experience. 
Because it was one of the days that I was down there and Lori was preparing to go on a trip to the United Kingdom where she was going to give a talk and, uh, and all those kinds of things. And Jackson was giving her some struggle that morning. And so we were on the phone and I don't remember what it was, but we were, we were kind of having a little tiff on the phone, something along those lines. And, uh, isn't it good to know? Aren't you glad your pastor is a human being? <laughs> we have struggles too, okay? And we hung up and I went on my two mile hike that I was planning to go on and I am just walking and whatever it was we were talking about, I was not done with the argument because I just decided to replay the argument and, and do the, I should have said, and what about the, you know, and all this as I'm walking with my walking stick out into the woods. And as I'm walking, I, I decided to go up this trail and I had wanted to take it the day before, but it was just getting a little too late and I, and I was worried that I would get lost. And, uh, and so I decided, you know, it's morning, I'm going to take this trail, it looks like a nice trail, and it was a beautiful trail, uh, and, but I'm, I'm just up in my head, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated and all those kinds of things, and, um, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, honestly, I feel like I'm ascending about five feet into the air, and all of a sudden, this voice, kind of almost guttural, comes out of my mouth as I'm doing this. If, if you were there, if you had been hidden in that moment, it would have looked something like this. Whoa! As the snake wrapped around my leg. Uh, it was a garter snake, thankfully. It was the longest garter snake I've ever seen. It was about this long. Um, but it tended to focus my mind. <laughs> Very quickly, suddenly, whatever I was arguing about or whatever our phone conversation was about, um, yeah, it just didn't matter that much. <laughs> and I actually, once I realized what, I mean, it was, it was, it was it's instantaneous. It was like, it was like I was up there and, and the voice was coming out of me before it even rec- registered that there was a snake. It was like my body just took over. <laughs> And and then I was like, oh, it was a snake. And I watched it go over. And then I fell literally on the ground laughing. Because I'm, I'm one of those cruel people that America's funniest home video, when people fall and get scared, I just crack up laughing. I know that's terrible. But I thought, what that must have looked like if somebody had a video camera right there. But it focused me. It, it kind of brought what was important right right to the front. And it's interesting because something else has really kind of grabbed a hold of my imagination lately. And it is this understanding or this mystery that we say in in the church of the Trinity. Of what we believe when we say we find God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to give you a lecture on what all that means. And I'm not going to go through the whole... Uh, creeds and the councils and all that where they, but this was something that the church wrestled with for the first 300 years. Like we know what we've seen and how we've experienced this, but what, what does this mean? And they tried to bring in a whole lot of things, but I, I love what my teacher Richard says. He says, we think of mystery. And he said, I was even taught this. He's Catholic. He says, as a, as a young boy in, in a Catholic school by a nun, you know, well, what does this mean? Well, it's a mystery, dear. You're not supposed to understand it. Stop trying. 
He says, that I have come to realize that a mystery is not something that is completely unknowable. It is infinitely knowable. It means you will know it and experience it at deep levels uh, in many, many different ways. As you read the scriptures, as you encounter it in nature, uh, this principle of self-emptying, pouring out in three, it, it is everywhere. And today is the celebration of that of this great mystery that envelops us. And so I want to try and unpack what it means for us today. So let's take a brief journey really quick. We've got my probably my favorite icon. I do love religious art, and icons I think are beautiful. Icons are not idols. They are things that engage our visual uh, sense and direct it to God. Okay, I know sometimes we, you know, we Protestants can get a little bent out of shape with icons and those kinds of things. Uh, They are just simply works of art that we that the church believes were God was helping the artist in that moment so that this artwork would direct us to God. And this one is by uh, Andre Rublev and the Trinity. And so we have uh, these three travelers, and, uh, and this is the father over here on this side, the son in the middle. We know that because he's doing one of these. This isn't a peace out symbol, okay? Not flashing a sign at you. He is simply saying that whenever you see this in religious art, it is the two natures in one, fully God, fully man. It also makes three joined here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just so you know that, okay, that's just a part of getting a little art lesson today. And there's a lot that we can look at, then the Holy Spirit over on this side. Now, the place I want to point you to, if I can, with my little pointer here, is this little box right here. You see this? We've looked at this piece of artwork before, but I know some of you probably weren't here then. It's interesting, this painting was gilded uh, because this is a Russian Orthodox. And so they they tend to like beautify icons even more. And so they kind of covered it up with gold for a while. And when they removed it, they began to see something. And there was something that was right in that little box, right over that box there. And what scholars found when they looked in that gold that was removed is that there was a mirror that was attached right there. And you see how how there it's open. Oh, sorry, going back. You see how it's open right here. That means that something there's a there's a space that's open. And they think that with that mirror being there, it was as you approach this icon that was going to direct you to worship of this God found in Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That what this means is there is an invitation for you. You see your own image reflected back at the table. That there's a seat for you here at this table. Isn't that a beautiful idea, a beautiful thought to think about? It's as if Andre Rublev was understanding the purpose and the intention and what the Trinity really means for you and I in our everyday life. It's, it's, it's interesting. So let's go back through our celebrations, our holiday celebrations, okay? These main holidays of the church. So we have Christmas, which is where we celebrate the incarnation, right? That's what we talk about. We talk about where Christ put God into flesh. 
And so we have Jesus, the Christ, who is fully God, fully man. We have this beautiful nativity, redeems what it means to be a human being, that being human is good, uh, and we see that and we celebrate that at Christmas time. Then we have Good Friday, which is a remembering and an entering into the story of the crucifixion, where we see that God is willing, out of love for all humanity, to receive all their sin, all their violence into his flesh and not send it back out to create more victims, but to take it with him to the cross where sin and violence itself is crushed. And that is the beauty of Good Friday. But it leads also to resurrection. We see this pattern this, ten, this through all of life, this death into life, death into life. Don't believe me, just be outside for a little bit. You'll see death creates life. Death moves into life. It's like it's been woven into the very fabric of the universe that this God created. But we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate that Christ, that God has the final word, that death and violence don't get to the end. We see that God has the final say. Then we talked about ascension, where Christ goes up, up, but not away. He fills all things with himself. He expands to fill all things with Himself. He is now the Lord of all. Not sometime in the future. Now He is the Lord of all. We believe this. Then, Pentecost. Now, this sounds terrible. Infiltration. We kind of think of that in negative terms, right? I want you to think of it more in positive terms. It means that something is filled up through a filter, through, through something. And we celebrated that last week, that the Holy Spirit has been given to all people and it can fill them up with God. It is the celebration of the Spirit being poured out. So we had Christmas. Christ puts, uh, uh, God into flesh. We had ascension. Christ puts flesh into God. Pentecost, God pours out spirit into human beings. And now, Trinity, we now know there is a great invitation for all people. Perhaps that's why our gospel writers, or when they were putting together, what passages of Scripture should we read and discuss on Trinity Sunday? That the one that they picked was the one great invitation. I know we call it, what do we call it? Anybody know? Great commission. Thank you. I actually like it today as the great invitation. It is the thing that Jesus says, okay, now this is having all authority in heaven, God's space, and earth, our space. All authority has been given to me. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go. Thank you. One of you is awake. We go. And what is the purpose of going? Yes, to make disciples of all nations. Not just Jewish nation. Not just, not just the American nation. Not just the Russian nation or the African, you know, whatever nation. Uh, Uganda or Belize or wherever your nation is. It's all nations. And we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Why? Because they have left a place at the table for everyone. And and so, we teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. 
Now, that takes some time, doesn't it? That means this invitation, this dinner feast is going to be a while. I mean, just go back and look at Matthew. If you just keep going, I mean, my goodness, you could spend the rest of your life just on the Sermon on the Mount. Teaching them to obey, teaching ourselves, allowing ourselves to learn how to obey, how to live out this kingdom life. And we have this promise. This should assure us again on Ascension Sunday that it's up, up, but not away. Because he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. For all eternity, I am with you. And you and I are called, my brothers and my sisters, to be people who invite others to the table. Because of what God has done, coming in flesh, dying and being raised, ascending and filling all things with self-emptying, sacrificial love, pouring out the empowering Spirit to fill up our lives, to live the God life every day of our lives, to be the temple of God in the world, to be the body of Christ in the world. The Trinity tells us that all of this self-emptying is so that you and I become a part of the great invitation that starts with God and is echoed through all eternity. We are called to be a people that invite because God has invited all the world to His table. How can we be any different? And so I thought today, how appropriate we simply invite everyone to the table. Now, you know me, my mind started reeling, like how could we do this differently? And I thought that we would just line up a big table all the way across and put chairs and have everybody come and sit at a table together. And I thought, well, that, that would just get a little... So aren't you glad Pastor Jeff does have a little common sense? So in just a moment, though, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make that icon just a little bit bigger. And what I want us to do, in just a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask a couple. I, I thought we would have enough for four, but if you, if you guys would just kind of mingle in with this group and you guys mingle in with this group, I think, uh, Ray, I'll just need you, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to come and receive bread and cup. You see, this mystery of the Trinity finds itself in all places, in ordinary ways. And Jesus said, hey, to remember the Spirit that fills you and that this is my body and the Father sent me into the world, so I'm sending you into the world. Take bread and cup, ordinary things. And remember that you go and you make disciples, you announce, you invite, you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what I want us to do today is in a minute you're going to come and I want you to hold on to it. I know a lot of times we eat it right away up here, but I want you to hold on to it today. And I want you to come back to your seat. And when you get back to your seat, I want you to look at the icon. And claim your space right in there. And when you sit down, I want you to imagine that you are taking your seat at the table. The invitation's been given. And you are welcome at the table. And then as you sit there, I want you to begin to just 
pray a little bit. Before you take bread and cup, I want you to pray, Lord, who am I supposed to invite? Who else is supposed to come to the table? We're going to kind of interact a little bit with this teaching. Oh, you know, there's, a, there's all that stuff about baptism. Yes, yeah. You know what? If you haven't been baptized, you should be. And in fact, we're going to do that a little more often, okay? I know we usually save up till Easter. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're probably going to do one this summer, okay? I haven't decided yet. And I haven't decided if we're going to go outdoor. We've got a lot of lakes around here. That might be fun. Or just do it right here in service again. There'll be more on that later. But the purpose of the Trinity and how we're understanding it infinitely today is that the invitation is open to you. And not just you, but to all the nations. So receive, come, get bread and cup, go back to your seat, take your seat at the table, and ask the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who else should I invite? I know it looks like a little space, but that space can fit all the world. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. A little bit later, he took the cup and he poured into it and said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink. As often as you do this, you proclaim my death until I come.